How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. So thank you for tuning in to Chomping at the Bit. This is episode number 60. I am Kyle Edwards, of course. And uh, this episode, we're going to take a look at the NBA, which if you saw my post on the Facebook page, Chomping at the Bit, or if you follow the show on Twitter, at Chomping Podcast, uh, you would have seen that I put up there on both uh, platforms that I'm going to kind of do a week-long preview leading up to the 2020-21 NBA season. So, I mean, if you aren't following the show on Twitter, you might as well go ahead and do that. Because I also did put a poll up there about uh, James Harden, which we'll get into in a little bit here. But, I mean, that's what you can kind of expect on Twitter and then Facebook. You know, I do post on there as well kind of gauge what people are thinking so definitely go ahead and do that but with uh starting off the preview i guess like i said the the espn 100 list did come out they do it every year they kind of rank the top 100 players and i mean for the most part it does give people a lot to talk about because there's players on there that could be seen as being ranked too high some are too low some I guess kind of have you scratching your head as to why they're even on the top 100 list. So, um, I will look at that. I mean, I probably won't look at the whole 100 list, of course. But, I feel like we can at least look at the top 50 players and then kind of just breeze through most of that. And then take a deep look at the top 10, you know, top 5, and then see who ESPN has put at number 1. I'm sure you could probably guess who it is, but we'll take a look together. And, well, yeah, just focus on those guys who are in the top 10 who shouldn't be there or could drop out, and then those who are just outside the top 10 who maybe deserve to be in the top 10 or will move into the top 10 probably by the end of the year. But before we do get into that, uh, do want to kind of touch on some news around the league real quick just to kind of keep you up to speed of what's going on so pretty much all off season there's been a lot of talk about Giannis and what he's gonna do you know whether he would re-sign with the Bucks whether he'll just play out the year and then uh kind of leave it in the Bucks hands whether they'd let him walk trade him blah 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 well we got an answer today Giannis signed the Supermax deal uh, which is what five years two it's like 280 and of course he gets supermax because the two years that he's won MVP you know put him over the threshold and all that so Giannis is staying in Milwaukee 
and you just kind of look at it and see what does that mean for the Bucks. So basically, it means that Mil- that the Bucks organization is clearly committed to Giannis and making him a winner, trying to bring a championship to Milwaukee. Um, you know, they did make some moves this offseason. Uh, I know the biggest one was they finally let go of Eric Bledsoe. I'm sure you guys have heard me talk a lot about Eric Bledsoe on here. Uh, I'm not a big fan of his. I thought he was one of the major problems with the Bucks last year, which led to their early exit from the playoffs. So, you know, they righted that by bringing in Drew Holiday, who I do think is a much better lead guard than Eric Bledsoe. You know, Holiday uh, can get to the hoop. He can finish around the rim. He's... I mean, he's able to take smaller guards on the block. He can shoot in the mid-range. And he'll knock down open uh, shots from the outside, deep to, out to the three-point line. Which is uh, a lot of the areas where Eric Bledsoe failed them, like, mightily last year. You know, Bledsoe would try to make moves to the hoop, get careless with the ball, cause turnovers, or just throw up wild runners. Uh, from the outside, he would, you know, take a pass, be open, brick the shot, and it was he was just really counterintuitive for the team. And we all knew that with last year's team, it was all about spreading the floor, opening up for Giannis. But as the playoffs went went along, you know, some of those options on the outside weren't performing well enough. So then it made it easier to key in on Giannis. Then of course Giannis ended up getting hurt. And Milwaukee's chances were out the window. So for the Bucks, it means the next five years um, that they'll continue to shape their team around Giannis. Plus, it means you know that Giannis will probably have, well, he'll probably definitely have some say in how the team will be made up. I mean, we. I guess we, we probably don't really know a lot about how Giannis operates. We do know that he's he's come out and said, you know, he's not one of those guys who is all into the whole buddy-buddy thing with opponents, which I do like about him. Uh, shows, I mean, he does show a very competitive side when he is on the court. But I don't know behind the scenes, you know, what kind of players he's built relationships with. So to see what kind of players he could bring to Milwaukee. As we know, Milwaukee is not exactly the biggest free agent destination, but with a talent like Giannis, you know, you might see some players pop up there that you probably wouldn't see if Giannis wasn't there. So for the Bucks, like I said, big deal for them. They're keeping a star for a small market team. That's always a win. So then, you know, transitioning to what does it mean for the rest of the NBA? Well, it means the whole, uh, like, summer. Well, next summer was going to be the summer of Giannis, if not trade deadline or whatever. So that's out the window. And, you know, we were hearing, we were starting to hear about some teams that were going to be, you know, kind of moving some money around for him. And all the talk was about Miami. Um I mean, Miami was kind of the top destination, but of course there was some talk about Lakers, uh, the Warriors, 
you know, teams like that. Uh, I think even like the Raptors. But so now that's all out the window. And those teams will have to, you know, kind of either stick with their plan that they have right now or maybe turn their attention to some other big name free agent. What it also means for the NBA, uh, it, you know, furthers the notion that big name players are willing to stay in smaller markets depending on the situation. Yes, each, each you know, player is different. Giannis was a guy who it always seemed like he would be the type to stay in Milwaukee. You know, he's not a guy who came from some, you know, big name college, like a Duke, North Carolina, something like that. So he's used to, you know, playing with a bunch of big name players and all that. You know, he was from what, the second division in Greece. Milwaukee took a chance on him. I'm, I would think maybe that factored into his decision to stay in Milwaukee because the organization did take a chance on him and maybe he just wants to repay it all and try to give them a ring. So, so yeah, like I said, definitely a win for the NBA because if Giannis had ended up in like Golden State with uh, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and all that, you know, it, it probably would have been kind of met with the same um, you know disdain as like when Durant went there if he went down to Miami with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo Bumble and Bumble Seaweed's invigorating shower ritual feels like an escape start with nutrient infused shampoo and conditioner the formula infused with royal sugar kelp, green microalgae, and Pacific sea kelp helps keep your scalp hydrated. Then open your jar of seaweed whipped scalp scrub to add two times more shine to your hair instantly. And before you head out, use seaweed air dry cream to give your hair that effortless beach look. Make your shower feel like an oasis with the Bumble and Bumble Seaweed Collection. Dive in now at bumbleandbumble.com. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Oh, um, Tyler Hero, guys like that. Yeah, same thing. So, I mean, it's probably a sign of the whole, like, trio, big three era of the NBA has kind of come and gone. It seems like the NBA has gone back to uh, powerful duos in the league. And which, with my week-long I guess series preview in the NBA. We will talk about some top duos in the league. That's for another night. So we'll just keep going. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of the good. 
Giannis getting his money. And kind of to the other side of the NBA, the James Harden saga continues. And I feel like this story gets weirder every day. So Harden is with the Rockets organization. He's shown up. There's actually a picture that went around of like Harden out on the court and he kind of looks like he's overweight. So that's going to be something to look forward to when the season starts, how well his conditioning is. I mean, he is a guy who, I mean, I don't know. He kind of seems like he gets into uh, basketball shape as he goes on in the season. I wouldn't say Harden is the type to, you know, go in the offseason, come back and look shredded or anything like that. He kind of has had the same body type, but but yeah, that picture that they put up of him was definitely not flattering. Uh, spoiler alert, it'll probably be the picture that I put you know, with this episode as the cover page for it. But but yeah, so you know, Houston has done everything Harden has wanted. They've clearly given him the keys to the organization. You know, they brought in Chris Paul. He didn't like Chris Paul. They let Chris Paul go. They brought in Westbrook, who he wanted. Then he didn't want Westbrook. They let Westbrook go. Now they bring in John Wall. And from most of the reports out there, oh, they also brought in uh, DeMarcus Cousins or Boogie Cousins. But that's, you know, the wall was the big get for Houston. And from all of the reports, Harden isn't happy with the John Wall move. Doesn't move the needle for him. And he still wants out. The funny thing is that Harden is acting like a player who's like in the final year of his deal, which if he was, would make more sense. He still has two more years on top of this year left on his deal. So he he's trying to play like this power play against Houston, even though he's not really in a position of power at all. Because Harden, I mean, because Houston could literally just hold on to him for the next couple of years. Maybe once he's in his final year, then they could look to move him. Uh, he would be like, like what, 33 by then. So, so yeah, the, the whole story is weird. Now, Harden is going around naming teams he wants to go to once again, like he can force Houston's hand. You know, he's named Philly, which if Philly's going to do it, they're going to have to base their package around Ben Simmons. Um, he's named with Brooklyn, which if you do a deal with Brooklyn, I guess Brooklyn could kind of go two ways with it. You could go with a package centered around Kyrie, which I have no idea why Houston would ever do that. And plus for Brooklyn, Brooklyn kind of wants to see the whole Kyrie, Kevin Durant, um, duo, see how that works. But if Brooklyn was more inclined to they would probably go with a second package right built around some of those younger players who will surround katie and Kyrie here spencer dinwiddie karis lavert jared allen you know guys like that draft picks so brooklyn can kind of go at it two different ways and i think he also named the heat which if the heat were going to do it it had to be built around tyler hero duncan robinson 
Let's see who's that? The young guy that they took. Precious Achua. Some draft picks. So. So yeah, I mean Houston, if they really did want to go about it, the teams that Harden is naming is interesting. But if I'm Houston, I would just wait for the biggest offer I can get, even if it's not one of those teams he wants to go to. Because then at that point, it wouldn't be their problem; it'd be the team acquiring him's problem. But um, I think it was Wojnarowski from ESPN who reported that. Um, I think Houston came out and said if they were going to make a deal with Philly, it'd have to be Ben Simmons plus three first-round picks. Which, I mean, if you're looking at that, it's an interesting, I guess, haul for James Harden. And, of course, if that were to happen, the whole comparisons would be Harden and Embiid versus Simmons and Embiid, who fits better with Embiid. But... But yeah, so the saga continues until Houston makes a move on him. We're kind of stuck with what we are right now, which is James Harden being disgruntled in Houston, but playing for Houston as of right now. But yeah, so like I said, I mean those that's kind of the big news in the NBA right now. And uh with the season just a week away. You know, there, I don't know if there's going to be any movement on the Harden story, but we'll have to see. Yeah, so now for the main reason of the episodes, the ESPN 100 list, which I did pull up. And like I said, I'm not going to go through all 100 because that, that'd be too much. And I mean, plus the players down around 100. I really wouldn't have much of a gripe with any of them down there, you know, just quickly. Like the hundredth best player they have is Joe Harris from Brooklyn. I don't feel one way or the other about that. I mean, Joe Harris is a good three point specialist. And for that being ranked 100, I can get behind that. So, but I will say they did have Mark Gasol at 96. And I'm when I first see that, I'm just thinking there's got to be a way that there's more than 100 players better than Mark Gasol. And even Mark Gasol is an interesting player to look at because he's getting up there in age. And if you saw him play the other night with the Lakers, his athleticism is basically completely gone. But he's at the point of his career where he plays the game more mentally than physically. And mentally, he does make the right decision out there. He's a great passer. Um, He'll still get you some rebounds. He can knock down, you know, an open three. So I guess with that, even being 96, I can't really be mad at it. It was just that name being on the list did kind of... uh, did kind of stand out for me only because like I said what I've seen of him lately I mean he looks like a guy who's on his last legs in the league anyway but just looking at players around him 
you know, Aldridge, yeah, is better than him. Jared Allen's better than him. Ricky Rubio. So, not mad at that. But looking at 50, once again, I'm not going to go through like 50, 40, not, no. We'll just kind of take it in groups here. I might go like just 40 to 50. Look real quick. Uh, so, like the players, 40 through 50, you know, 50s. Uh, let's see, DeMontis Sabonis out of Indiana. Not mad at. Bumble and Bumble Seaweed's invigorating shower ritual feels like an escape. Start with nutrient infused shampoo and conditioner. The formula infused with royal sugar kelp, green microalgae, and Pacific sea kelp helps keep your scalp hydrated. Then, open your jar of seaweed whipped scalp scrub to add two times more shine to your hair instantly. And before you head out, use seaweed air dry cream to give your hair that effortless beach look. Make your shower feel like an oasis with the Bumble and Bumble Seaweed Collection. Dive in now at bumbleandbumble.com. That, you know, Sabonis is a pretty good young player in the league. He's a guy who can dominate on the boards, both, both offensively, defensively. His offensive game is still evolving. He's a pretty good mid-range shooter. He can post up. Like I said, on the offensive boards, he gets some putbacks. He'll run on the fast break. So, top 50 player. I agree. Um, Dinwiddie, who I just talked about, is number 49. I like Dinwiddie's game. Dinwiddie's a guy who I could have seen a little higher on the list. But, hey, he's in the top 50. Not mad at that. But just looking at other players in the 40s, I mean, they have Oladipo at 47. He's, I think he's probably on his way down. This is a, well, this will be a big year for Oladipo because, yeah, he's sitting at 47. Last year he was at 33, so he's definitely trending the wrong direction. But. He kind of seems like he might have hit. He might be hitting a crossroads in his career, where I think Indiana's kind of getting tired of him, and then he himself has to prove that he can stay healthy for a full year. I believe his last couple of years have been kind of interrupted with injuries here and there. So when he is healthy, he is a talented player. He is a limited player, but he's a talented player. You know, he's not the best three-point shooter. And as we know, this is a three-point league. But as a, you know, slasher, get-to-the-hoop kind of guy, you know, he's got talent there. Defensively, he plays He plays defense, you know. So, so yeah, he's a guy who after this year could either move back up or I could see easily outside of the top 50 come next year. They have Gordon Hayward at 45. He's kind of the same boat as 
uh, Oladipo, where you know his tenure in Boston was marred with injuries. We all know about the injury five minutes into his stint, where he you know landed awkwardly, leg. You know we all know about that. But even coming back from that, it seemed like it was always a um, some type of injury that was always lingering with him. You know, this past year, he had a pretty good year. He looked good. You know, he got into the bubble, was playing well, then rolled his ankle against Philly. It wasn't really the same after that. So, and now he's in Charlotte. So, he might not get as much exposure nationally, but his role will increase with Charlotte. So, it's a chance for him to you know get back to being a you know 20 25 point a game scorer uh six seven rebound type of guy you know four or five assists if he can do that then you know he he's the guy who could maybe get back to his utah form he'll get every opportunity in charlotte like i said because uh, Charlotte's, you would think Charlotte's offense will kind of run through him while, you know, LaMelo and Devontae Graham, Terry Rozier still try to develop. And then their big men are also young. So Hayward's going to be kind of the elder statesman there. So, you know, it's going to be an interesting year for Hayward. I mean, if you are a Hornets fan, you will definitely be tuning in. But for those of you who may not watch a lot of Hornets games, I think the Hornets are a team that you could, you know, turn on every once in a while just to see how they look. Draymond Green at 44. Interesting place for him. Because once again, Draymond is very limited offensively as he's not a great shooter. He can knock down the occasional three. Uh, he's not that big of a ball handler where he can get to the rim off the wing. So he's up at 44, probably mainly for his defensive versatility and his playmaking ability. Cause he's a good passer. So, you know, 44. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I mean, Van Vliet at 40. Honestly, I think that could be a little low for him. Especially coming off of last year where, you know, he he definitely uh, took the mantle of that team and was the number one option come the playoffs. You know, Siakam struggled mightily. I do want to see where Siakam falls on this list. I'm guessing he's in the top 50. And looking at 40 to 50, he's not there. So I want to see where he falls. Lowry. I mean, Lowry might be outside of the top 50. I don't know. He may pop up somewhere. But watching that team, you could tell it was Van Vliet's team. Van Vliet was the most consistent player on that team. You know, he just got his uh, money this offseason. But, you know, he's a guy who shoots the three. Even though he's he's not the biggest guy at the guard position, but he finds a way to get his his shot off. He can, like I said, shoot the three. He can get to the rim, finish at the rim. 
He can, you know, lead a break. He's... I wouldn't say he's a great defender. I wouldn't say he's a bad defender. He's a... He's probably like a league average type defender. Um... No, I no. That's probably disrespectful. He's, he's he's an above average defender, so. But he's probably the type where they have him at forty now, with an upward trend to him. And if he plays this year like last year, then he'll probably shoot up into like the top twenty five or something. Because yeah, last year he was eighty eight, had a great year. He's up to forty, so he's definitely trending the right way so 40 through 50 like i said no real big surprises there uh looking at the 30s now uh let's see they have shea gilgis alexander at 38 that's so like looking at Van Vliet at 40, I feel like I can make the argument of Van Vliet being better than Alexander. But I get it. Alexander is a big guard who's definitely talented. And he's going to get the opportunity to show that with Chris Paul not there, Gallinari not there, uh, Steven Adams not there. So it's kind of Gildas Alexander's team. So he's going to have every opportunity this year to show that he is a, um, you know, a guy to be reckoned with going forward in the league. I mean, I don't know if he, I don't know if he'll get to an all-star type level, but he will probably be in the conversation. So that's definitely something. If you're in the conversation to be an all-star, let's see, all-star rosters are what? There's like 15 on the east and the west. So that's 30 players. If you're in the conversation, you know, then I can get I can get with being 38. Marcus Smart is number 37. That's an interesting one because Marcus Smart is the type of player where you probably either overrate him or you completely underrate him I I think 37 could be a little high and I mean as a Celtics fan I love Marcus Smart love watching him play because you know when Marcus Smart's on the court he's going to give you every ounce of energy that he has he plays great defense so I think this is probably what bumped him up a little bit because he plays defense on everybody anybody every night you know he'll like let's take the Lakers or something he'll go from guarding shooter up the court to switching off a pick and going down low and guarding LeBron or something even well I don't know if I've actually seen him on Anthony Davis but he's very comfortable guarding guys from the one to the four spot some centers he will guard because he did switch out on Embiid sometimes last year in the playoffs, and he held his own because he's a you know he's very strong. He stays low, and he has quick hands defensively. Offensively, his game is improving, 
you know, he, he does seem to shoot the three a little better each year. Um, he probably has better handles than you think. I mean, he's not, you know, great with handles, but he's pretty good. So he can get to the rim against certain players. And he can finish around the rim. So, so I mean, for him to be 37, he would have to be kind of like Gilgis Alexander and in that conversation for, I guess, an all-star team. And I don't know if he is, only because, you know, on the Celtics, they're going to look at Brown and Tatum first. Then Walker comes back. He gets looked at, so... I don't know. And, I mean, they moved him up from 87, which would have been way too low coming into this year. 37, I think, could be a little high, but I I get it. Uh, Wow, they have Russell Westbrook at 36. That seems low. I get it. Westbrook's limited as well. He's not the best shooter, but... I feel like his intensity alone should have him higher than 36. He he wins a lot of uh, matchups, you know, a lot of one-on-one matchups based off of his intensity. He's still quick with the ball. He's still explosive around the rim. Mid-range, he knows his spots. He can get to them when he's on. He's great. When he's off, he can shoot some real bricks. But... But yeah, he's he's kind of another guy to watch this year as he's in a new situation alongside Bradley Beal. So have to see how that plays out. Uh, you know, Eastern Conference, we're going from the West to the East. There is a difference there. Yes, it's the same sport, but it kind of seems like with the East and the West, there's a little bit of a different philosophy. And I do want to see how he does in the East against... You know, some backcourts like, you know, Smart and Brown, Van Vliet and Lowry. You know, just just down the line. We'll see. But Westbrook is a guy who, I mean, he could go either way. He could show up in Washington, you know, brick some shots, get himself into foul trouble, technical fouls, all that kind of stuff. And who knows? You know, Washington could look to move him. Well, I don't know. But, but yeah, Westbrook's a guy who could go either way, up or down, come next year's list. But I think for this year, I think 36 is too low, especially since he was number 12 last year. I don't see a drop off that much. But we'll have to see who else is kind of around him that's above him. Uh, let's see. Drew Holiday. Okay, Jalen Brown at 32. I could argue that's low. I feel like after the leap he took in the bubble in the playoffs. I, I probably would have argued that he would could have been inside the top 30. So being just outside the top 30 isn't like too ridiculous to me. 
But I, like I said, I could make the argument for Jalen Brown being a top 30 player with the potential to be definitely top 25 if he continues that growth from the bubble into the into this shortened season. Then yeah, he's definitely a top 25 player in the league, especially for how young he still is and the leaps and bounds that he's grown in this game. You know, ball handling to his jump shot, um, three-point proficiency, and even, well, he's always been kind of a finisher around the rim, but at least getting into those spots around the rim, he is definitely better at that. So he's an improving player on his way up. Uh, John Moran at 31, I'm not mad at that. Oh my, well, okay, okay. We got to hold on this one. They got Kyle Lowry at 30. I I honestly don't get what all the love is for Kyle Lowry. I don't. He was 39 last year. What did he really do to get bumped up to 30? I don't know. He... I mean, I will say in the playoffs last year, he did play well. But... I mean, he is what he is. He'll take some charges for you. He'll complain a lot. He'll knock down some threes depending on the night. But he can also have nights where he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. So, I don't know. I think 30 is too high. Especially looking at Van Vliet being, what, 40? No. Drew Holiday, 33? No, I'm sorry. Lowry, no. You're you're not the 30th best player in the league. But, hey, that's the 30s. Now we're jumping into 20s. Trey Young at 29. Uh, Okay. I guess. I mean, he's he's the guy who's supposed to be Steph Curry. He's not. He could get there, I guess. Skill set, skill set wise, there are some similarities. You know, both. Well, I mean, I think I think Steph is like a bigger player, but you know, they both can shoot deep threes. Steph Curry is still way better at it than Trey Young because Trey Young will throw up a lot of clunkers like air balls, complete bricks. Steph, you don't really see that. Um, Trey tends to settle for those, whereas Steph kind of shoots them in rhythm. Trey Young is a good passer, though. And with, you know, guys like Gallinari, um, was it Bogdanovich there? He he could definitely throw up some throw up a higher number to assist this year, as there's just more options for him. Pick and roll game, he's gonna have clip you know Capella to play. Um, you know, rolling to the rim, so he can get some easy assists there. I mean, yeah. But then looking at last year, he was 28. Now he's 29 this year. Um, I do kind of, I'm kind, I kind of see where ESPN is coming with that because it kind of seems like 
whatever Trey Young's ceiling is, even though he hasn't been in the league that long, it seems like he's kind of gotten there where you don't really see where he can make this big leap. Bumble and Bumble Seaweed's invigorating shower ritual feels like an escape. Start with nutrient-infused shampoo and conditioner. The formula infused with royal sugar kelp, green microalgae, and Pacific sea kelp helps keep your scalp hydrated. Then open your jar of seaweed whipped scalp scrub to add two times more shine to your hair instantly. And before you head out, use seaweed air dry cream to give your hair that effortless beach look. Make your shower feel like an oasis with the Bumble and Bumble Seaweed Collection. Dive in now at bumbleandbumble.com. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. In this game, and you know, you can say that for some players, but usually players like in the top five, you're like, yeah, they're great and they're just great at everything. Trey Young isn't, but it kind of seems like the things that he's not great at he probably won't get better at anytime soon like defensively he's i mean he's a turnstile out there i don't see that getting better shot selection at times is atrocious i don't see that getting better because i don't know if there's really a pressure on him to get better whether it's from coaching or even the media down here in atlanta so he might be leveling off so, I get it. But moving on. Let's see. Brandon Ingram at 28. I got to say, I like Brandon Ingram's game. Especially now that he's out of LA, you know, out from underneath LeBron and all that. And he's, you know, down in New Orleans where they kind of let him be him. I do like Ingram's game. Like Ingram's playing now like the player he was at Duke. And I mean, I don't know how many of you remember him at Duke, but you know, Duke, he was the guy who had the ball in his hands when they need to get a bucket. And more times than more time more times than not, he would find a way to make a play, whether it was getting to a spot in the mid-range, pulling up. You know, uh, setting his feet at the three, knocking it down. So now with New Orleans, he's more of a, well, probably more so with no Drew Holiday and all that there. He's going to be a guy that they're going to rely on, like giving it to him on the wing, giving him space, letting him work. So Ingram at 28. I, I can agree with that. McCollum, go bear. I mean, Kyrie at 25. 
I don't really know what to make of Kyrie anymore. He's, I mean, he's got skills on the court, but he, I mean, he does frustrate you a lot with off the court stuff and, you know, how he doesn't want to talk to the media. Then he says stuff and the media picks up on it and he gets mad at the media for picking up on what he said and then trying to talk about it like it's not their job. And it just seems like, well, that number could be, well, it's probably going to hinge upon his uh, ability to play with Kevin Durant. You know, if Durant is there with him and he kind of holds Durant back and they don't have the success that they should, Irving will definitely fall down. If somehow he and Durant win a title, he will definitely move up from 25. So once again, depending on those who are in front of him, I, yeah, I could, I can get on board with Kyrie at 25. Okay, they got Pas- Pascal Siakam at 24. No, that's no, 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 no. After what he did in the bubble in the playoffs, no. You can't tell me he's the 24th best player. No, I'm sorry. I would probably take Ingram over to, over him. Um. Remember last year they were asking Yeah, remember in the Celtics series they were asking like would you take Siakam or was it Tatum? Which was a complete mismatch. Or was it Brown, which mm, That's an argument. Probably shouldn't be because Siakam is supposed to be the guy in Toronto. Whereas Brown isn't really supposed to be the guy in Boston, but I could easily make the argument for Jalen Brown over Siakam. Something I don't know. Something about Siakam's game, I uh, I'm not completely sold on. I don't know if it's like the fluidity, because a lot of his stuff is um, like set shot and. Yeah, he, he he moves at a slower pace, especially with the ball in his hand. But he's still really young, so you know, this year this year Toronto's definitely got to see some growth in him in order to uh, you know get back to the finals where they were with when uh, Kawhi was there for his year. But yeah, there's gonna be a lot of there's gonna be a lot thrown on Siakam's shoulders. I mean, coming out of the bubble, I'm not exactly enthused to see how he deals with that. But, hey, who am I, you know? Maybe he is the 24th best player, and I'm just hating. We'll have to see. But, moving along. Carlton Town's 23, okay. Bradley Beal, 22, that's fine. Jamal Murray at 21. I honestly thought after the way he performed in the bubble, he would probably have been in the top 20, but 21 just outside of it. I'm guessing for some NBA people, it's probably on a wait and see type thing. Kind of to see if he can play at that level for a full season instead of just a little stretch in the playoffs in the bubble, which if he does, he'll definitely be on his way up. But... 
But yeah, he's he's definitely a guy who made himself into a household name. He he did probably do the most for his reputation in the bubble. You know, he and Donovan Mitchell, I would say, were probably on the same level. But but yeah, Jamal Murray showed a lot in the playoffs. That one, he's a guy that you can uh, rely on to get you 30, 35 points on certain nights when, you know, Jokic doesn't have it or, you know, uh, Tory Craig can't make shots in the corner. Murray showed, you know, he's a guy who can step his game up, make big baskets late, make tough shots around the rim, um, get other players involved as well. So, yeah, he, he he's on he's on the up and up. Paul George at twenty. I mean, I guess. I mean, he's a guy who should be higher. I will say that he has you know all the talent in the world, but it just it just seems like the more you watch him in big situations, it seems like there's the, there's more questions about. Whether he can be a true number one. Is he a number one? Uh, is he probably more fittingly the second best player? And I mean, he did struggle with that in the playoffs. We all know his bad shooting nights. He did have he did have some decent uh, games, I guess, the last couple in the bubble. But yeah, last year was still a big disappointment. I would have thought he would have probably taken a little bit more of a hit because last year he was the 10 going into this year. He's 20. But I thought after that performance, he would have been probably outside the top 20. Um, I mean, could I argue Ingram over Paul George? It might be a tough argument only because, you know, a lot of people would probably just look at Paul George's accomplishments when he was in Indy. And, you know, he was the best player in Indy all those years. Indy didn't really do much come playoff time, but he at least has experience of being the guy. And with this being the second year in L.A. with the Clippers, uh, you know that they're going to be hoping that he and Kawhi have better chemistry the second year now. Plus the other players that they brought in and even deal with the coaching change as Doc Rivers is now gone to Philly. So Paul George is another player to watch. See if he kind of gets back to his Indiana days or if he continues to probably slowly slump and not get past this past year in the playoffs. Zion at 19, that's probably too high, but I get I get it. There's a lot of hype behind him. He's really young, uh, very athletic. And for his body type, he's, I mean, he's probably the most athletically gifted at his size that we've that anybody's ever seen. So, you know, riding on that hype train, I get it. But he's a guy who definitely should have worked on his game in the offseason. I haven't seen the Pelicans play this preseason yet to see if he has. But we know those areas he needed to work in. Jump shooting. Maybe creating his own shot. 
not solely relying on getting to the rim all the time because one you can't two that is a way to uh, find yourself getting hurt and with Zion's body makeup biggest fear would be you know lower body but staying healthy he definitely has to do that like I said he's you know really young and you know there's some expectations down in New Orleans and he's gonna have to you know help them get to those expectations of you know you know with the expanded playoffs you would think New Orleans would have to be within that play-in round and yeah see what happens from there I mean, of course, if they don't, then it's going to be a big disappointment. But uh, Donovan Mitchell at 18. I would Jamal Murray at 21. Would you say Mitchell is slightly better than Jamal Murray? I do think after the bubble, those two are going to be compared to each other probably for the next few years going out. You know, and... There's just going to be people on both sides of that debate of Mitchell versus Murray. I I mean, I think Mitchell can fall in love with the outside shot a little too much, even though he's so gifted getting to the rim. But, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with, with Mitchell being 18. I'm okay with that. Booker at 17. We'll have to see what Chris Paul, what that does for him. He could easily move up top 15 because he's so gifted as a shooter. Uh, ben Simmons at 16. I, I don't know. No. I think that's too high. I mean, I get the talent is there, but yeah, some of the guys behind him I would take before him. Mainly, yes, I know the jump shot is non existent. And I, I just think that sooner or later, defense is going to figure him out. You know, if he up fakes you in the wing, you stay down because there's a good chance he's not going to shoot one. And how many years with Ben Simmons really are we going to hear about, you know, he's worked on his jump shot in the offseason only to find him never use it in the regular season? Like, come on, man. Just come on. It it cannot be that difficult. Jason Kidd developed one and he couldn't shoot for his life when he first came in the league. So many teams do that. Uh, you know, get their young players to further evolve their game. It seems like that has not happened with Simmons. Now, once again, it's Doc's first year there. Maybe he can push Ben. Like, I don't need been to be Steph Curry or anything but you know think uh, for those of you who might remember think Lamar Odom Lamar Odom slowly worked his way to the three point line like he shot threes in college but once he got in the NBA you know he ran the wing got to the rim a lot slowly expanded his game from uh, you know, posting up within the mid range to the deeper mid range and then finally out to the three I would like to see some type of progression like that with Ben Simmons and then if he could do that with his passing ability his height as a point guard you know his ability to get up and down the floor 
then you know there's there's no reason that Simmons shouldn't be you know top 10 player the next couple of years Chris Paul at 15 I'm not the biggest Chris Paul guy I do think he is a little overrated in terms of the media and being at 15 probably furthers my point but I, I, I understand you know with his situation in Phoenix he's going expecting to go there as a leader to um, help Booker you know give Booker that um, um, second fiddle that he definitely needs a guy who can get him the ball in his spots and also take over when he has to when Booker isn't feeling it so I'm okay with Chris Paul at 15 like I said I don't view him the way a lot of people do in the media. And beat at 14, it's kind of the same book with me. I'm not completely sold on Embiid. I think there's, uh, I don't know, I think there's too many times where Embiid can act, you know, childish and act lazy, all that kind of stuff. I do think with Doc being there, that should help him because Doc is not really one for that kind of nonsense and you know maybe he can tap into you know wherever that aggression is for Joel Embiid you know and have Joel Embiid spend more time in the block than kind of just drifting around the three point line and just jacking up threes only because you know they're leaving them open so Embiid at 14 fine some say he's the best big man in the league I wouldn't exactly go there yet, but I, I see I see what see what they're doing here. Autobio at thirteen, I mm, that's probably more of I think it's more of him being kind of the um I guess like the flavor of the month because he had a great run in the bubble, I will say that, and you know, he's clearly turned that into a top fifteen ranking in the league. He's shown. I mean, he probably he did show me more offensively than I thought he was capable of. But hmm, thirteen seems high to me. I would have said like just outside top fifteen, inching towards top fifteen if he can continue his strong play from the bubble into this year. That's interesting. Butler at 12. That's solely because of that playoff run. And he was the clear leader of that team. I get it. Tatum at 11. I think once again, this is one where some people might say he's too high because he's still too young. Uh, I think based off of what I think he could be, 11 seems right. Because I'm pretty sure I could probably guess the names in the top 10. And I'm not mad at the fact that Tatum is kind of the leader of that next wave of guys who are looking to 
you'll jump up in the top 10 as some players probably wind down their careers and stuff like that. So not mad at that, uh, especially early in the year with no Kemba Walker there. Tatum's going to be thrust into being the number one. Bumble and Bumble Seaweed's invigorating shower ritual feels like an escape. Start with nutrient-infused shampoo and conditioner. The formula infused with royal sugar kelp, green microalgae, and Pacific sea kelp helps keep your scalp hydrated. Then open your jar of seaweed whipped scalp scrub to add two times more shine to your hair instantly. And before you head out, Use seaweed air dry cream to give your hair that effortless beach look. Make your shower feel like an oasis with the Bumble and Bumble Seaweed Collection. Dive in now at bumbleandbumble.com. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. One guy even more in the beginning of the year. And I mean, he's, he's definitely shown a lot of growth in his game from coming into the league as a guy who many thought wouldn't play defense or wouldn't be good at defense. Showed from day one he was a capable defender and actually pretty much above average defender to his playmaking ability with his ball handling skills, his step back three, is right up there, well, probably right up there as one of the best in the league. Um, there was that story that he apparently is growing. It went from 6'8 last year to 6'10. So that could be a scary thing. But, but yeah, at 11, I could see that. Now, we are into the top 10. And... Let me see here. Okay. Got Jokic at 10. I'm guessing this will probably be the one that you could probably make the most argument for, but I'm a big Jokic fan. I think he is the best big man in the league. When you take his passing ability, his three-point shot, and the fact that he doesn't just sit out there and just shoot him just to shoot him, he tends to take ones that are needed and big shots for Denver and more likely knocks them down. He's once again, not the most athletic guy, but he does get it done defensively against certain bigs. Your shorter, quicker bigs will probably give him trouble, but I mean, how often does he face that? So I'm okay with Jokic at 10. Harden at nine. I've said on here several times, I'm not a Harden fan. I think Harden is part of the guy who should fall out of the top 10 come next year. I would not be mad at that one bit. Um, 
because yeah, I talked about it on here. I think Harden offensively stunts the growth of a lot of players. You know, he took away from Westbrook. I feel like he's taken away from Eric Gordon as well. And just some other guys in that team. And I, I, I just don't get it. I think if he had stuck on the Oklahoma City path where he was kind of a do-it-all type player with the ball, fine. But ISO Harden, no. Not a fan. Sorry. And you can see it. He's had he's been on teams that have won a lot of regular season games and then come to playoffs, do nothing, and flame out early. And I think a lot of that has to do with him. And then now the way that he's treating the whole Houston situation makes me like him even less because I think it's a joke what he's doing in Houston right now. But he is a gifted scorer. I will give him that. I do think his ability to, you know, throw himself into people and get unnecessary whistles does help his numbers a lot because think of it, if you get to the free throw line, you know, even if you like what he does a lot, where he bricks a three, but throws himself down because he thinks somebody got hit on the arm, like on his follow through or something, and he always gets that whistle. Well, he scores points without really lowering his field goal percentage. So, yeah, I think he does get the benefit for kind of the era of basketball that we're in, where. You know, certain players get ridiculous foul calls all the time and take full advantage of it. And Harden is one of those, so I can't really knock him for that. But it's just a tough watch for me. I, yeah. Yeah. So Harden at nine is my guess is the player who will probably fall out of the top ten. Steph Curry at eight. Okay. You know, he's coming off that injury to his hand. But the guy that I've seen so far in the um, preseason, you know, he looks like a guy who could be back into the top five in no time and would not be surprised if he wasn't in the MVP conversation this year. I mean, he'll probably be a shoo-in for comeback player of the year, depending on some other stuff that goes on. But yeah, he looks like he's back to his old self. And that could be a scary thing for the rest of the league. But eight, I'm okay with that. Lillard at seven. I got no argument with that. I mean, Lillard gets that reputation strictly from late game situations. His ability to take pressure shots, make pressure shots. uh, Whether he's, you know, inside the arc, way beyond the arc. He has no fear, and I have no problem with Lillard being at number seven. Durant at six. Uh, I I mean, you can't really say much because he's coming off that injury. I'm interested to see as the year goes on, will there be any effects of that Achilles injury to his athleticism getting to the rim? You know, will he have trouble getting around certain players that, you know, before the injury, it was an easy, you know, jab step, get around them. Maybe that jab step he isn't as quick on and, you know, he kind of becomes just a deep mid-range three-point shooter who 
you know, maybe he gets the room a few times if, you know, somebody overcommits to him. Or maybe he plays more in the block or like the high post area and just makes a living out there because... I mean, if he did do that, trust me, he would be probably one of the best in the league in the low post. So I do want to see what kind of situations Steve Nash puts him in. So at six, I'm okay with that. Because I think before the injury, he was probably number two or three. So I'm okay. Top five, Kawhi. I guess, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that seems right for him. You know, he's probably the best two-way player in the league. Um, probably more defensively. I think offensively, he, he still does have limitations. I don't think he's the best passer when he has the ball looking to make plays. Shot selection can be a little eh, iffy sometimes for me. He is a willing three-point shooter. I'll give him that. He's not exactly the best three-point shooter. And I do think he's disciplined in his three-point shot selection. Yeah, he'll usually just take a couple a game. Um, which I get because, like I said, he's not the best at it. But I think if he ed- did ever become a reasonable three-point shooter at least to the point where you take him seriously out there I just see him moving up in the ranking but five I'm, I'm okay with that right now Luca at four I love Luca's game I think even I could say Luca at four might be slightly high off the bat but it could be because they knocked Durant out of the top five they want to put somebody up there and you know Luca's growth and what he showed in the bubble and all that. I'm not mad at Luca being number four. You know, Luca's a guy who should be probably the best player in the league at some point, some year. So going into this year at number four, I'm okay with that. I get what I get why. Giannis at three. Yeah, I understand that. I mean, I know he was seen as probably the best player in the league maybe last going into last year, you know, coming off the MVP season. But, I mean, his limitations are still there. He offensively still kind of a, you know, one-trick pony, get to the rim. You know, he'll run over some guys. He can finish at the rim better than probably anybody with his length and all that mid-range he's he's actually pretty decent in the mid-range um he will shoot mid-range shots he's comfortable doing that three-pointers is still an issue but at least other you know outside of ben simmons you know where he supposedly works on it and you don't see it you can tell Giannis works on it because each year he seems to get more and more comfortable from the three And if he ever gets to the point where, you know, he's a knockdown shooter at the three and you can't just completely leave him open out there, then he becomes probably the most dangerous player that we 
we'll see the next couple of years. So three, I understand. Two, Anthony Davis, you know, he definitely helped himself with the uh, Lakers playoff run. Uh, he showed, well, he's always always been dominant defensively, but, you know, in the playoff setting, finals and all that, he was really dominant defensively. Offensively, he made big baskets for that Laker team. You know, when LeBron would throw the ball down in the post, they need to get a basket. After Miami made a run or something, they always went to Davis in the post or out in the wing. And since he grew up as a point guard before his growth spurt, you definitely see those point guard skills in him when he's out in the wing. But you see his big man ability down low. And he's he's probably the most unstoppable guy down in the paint. Question with him is always durability. Um, he seems to come up with little nicks and uh, bums, bruises kind of stuff here, here and there. And, and yeah, I think that's probably what's keeping him from being number one on this list is durability. So number one's obviously LeBron. You know, he's coming off. Finals MVP and all that. Um, interesting to see this year with him being, what, 37? Uh, yeah, I think he turns up 37 in December. And interested, interested to see what he looks like this year as, you know, there's going to be travel involved. And, you know, that could take a toll on an older body. And he's, he's still a guy who relies a lot on strength, overpowering guys getting to the rim. Yeah, he's still a good passer. But, yeah, you just figure at some point, you know, age will knock him down. And, you know, not saying like an injury played year, but maybe a year where he loses a step and he isn't able to get around players as easily as he has been. And maybe you start seeing some limitations more on um, his game where, you know, jump shooting ability he has gotten better with throughout his career. He's still not a big threat from the outside. So, and, you know, at this point, I don't see him getting any better at that because, like I said, he's 37 at this point. What he is, well, what he was last year, it's probably what he will be going forward with each year taking a little bit away from his game. So I'm not mad with him being number one. But it's probably going to be short-lived, like I said, with the whole age and everything. But, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, top 10, I don't really have any problem with. I mean, how they slotted him 1 through 10 probably means less to me than actual players in the top 10. As I said, Harden's the guy for me who will probably fall out of the top 10. And I think Tatum's a guy who could easily jump up in the top 10 based off of his continued like ascension in the league. So, so yeah, it's going to be interesting. Uh, overall, I don't really have any big gripes with the 100 list so yeah but yeah like I said 
week long. We're going to talk a lot of NBA this week. And this is kind of my kickoff to it. So, um, you know, definitely tune in. The next episode, we'll go over, I believe it was Bleacher Report, who released the top duos in the NBA. I do want to take a look at that because, like I said, we are in the era of duos. No longer big threes. That has ended. So, I do want to see who they think is the top duo. I'm assuming, like how ESPN has LeBron and Anthony Davis, one and two. I'm assuming that's probably your top duo, but we'll have to see. Um, I mean, some duos did change. want to see how they kind of rank those, and it'll be a good list to look at for tomorrow's episode. But like I said, NBA week for me, so be looking at that also look at you know eastern western conference outlook uh i think somebody did their rankings for east and the west definitely look at that see what teams they're underselling and what teams they're overselling plus maybe surprise playoff team or maybe a surprise dropout we'll have to see um also look at more player focused stuff like some players to watch for who could make that leap um kind of your under the radar type type guys and uh surprise teams as well that you might not be thinking about who may do better than you think that's will kind of be a little bit play off of the eastern western conference outlook stuff but definitely look at that and then come time next week when the season starts I'll give you the MVP players to watch because I've said this to people and probably not on here but going into each year I can usually figure out who like the top three players will be in the MVP race the MVP race is usually not that hard to predict but like I said save that for later on in the week but um yeah so thank you for tuning in I know this episode was probably a little longer I think it's actually been the longest episode I've done on here like I said there's a lot to go through um so not saying that they're all gonna be this long they probably won't but um you know thanks for tuning in sticking through it the whole way with me uh if you're new as I mentioned early on before I do have a facebook page as well as a twitter page twitter page at chomping podcast definitely follow me there have a poll up there which uh ties into the james harden question so if you go to the twitter page you can definitely vote on that poll simple question where does james harden finish the year and i put some choices on there whether it's houston philly uh brooklyn or other so Head over to the Twitter page and definitely vote on that. It may, I may bring it up by the end of this week preview. Um, but yeah, Facebook page, like I said, chomping at the bit on Facebook. You, could, you know, join the page there. Wherever you are listening to the show, as I am on all major podcasting platforms, definitely hit that subscribe button would help me out a lot. And, um, yeah. So thank you for tuning in once again. Be safe out there. 
God bless. And I'll catch you in the next episode. All right. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day, your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply.